And the other thing about it is the tears. Is, you know, there's a sort of we equate, and in the Marine Corps even more, right? Is you equate when the armed forces um, crying with weakness, right? Right, and so and weakness is unacceptable. So therefore, but the reality is that the human the tear the crying is it's part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. It's a necessary element of our human experience, something that we don't want to shut off. Welcome to the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I help people convert their grief into growth in their own way and in their own time. This is a podcast where we dive deeply into the stories that make us who we are and show us who we can become. Together, we share real-life experiences of growth through our grief. I can be found at grievingcoach.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss exclusive interviews and some of my own tidbits and insights on grief. Welcome, everyone. Today's episode is commemorating Memorial Day. Um, So in the United States, Memorial Day is a national holiday celebrated on the last Monday of May. And for many, this is a day of family gatherings, barbecues, and the beginning of summer fun. Is that? all there is to this holiday or is there something more today on share your story podcast i'm bringing back matthew brackett to discuss the origins of memorial day and what it means to him as a former special staff officer and chaplain in the united states navy serving both with sailors and marines welcome back to the show matthew it's good to be with you again thank you jenny it's wonderful to be back on this show to talk about such meaningful and important topics yeah um, before we get started with those topics, though, um, can you give us, our listeners, a little bit of a brief summary of who you are and why this topic is important to you? Thank you. Yes. So I am the 10th of 13 children from small town New England. Being from New England, I grew up very close to American history, you know, to the roots of some aspects of American history and the War of Independence you know, the Battle of Concord, the Battle of Lexington, mm-hmm. where the Revolutionary War started. So I grew up very close to that. The USS Constitution, which is a ship, you know, from, from the 1800s that's kept in Boston. So again, a lot of history growing up around around all of that. And being, I grew up in music and also in marching band. So we would always march on different celebrations and on Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. From the youngest of ages, I remember marching through playing in the drums and in uh, through cemeteries on Memorial Day. Obviously there's a very solemn, somber rhythm that you play when you walk through through cemeteries. Yeah. So that I grew up in a small town New England and as you mentioned I was a chaplain in the Navy. So I, at the age of 18 I went on a mission to serve people in different ways in ministry. And that's what I did. And part of that was as a chaplain in the United States Navy, which is one of the fascinating chapters of my life. And hopefully it is so for those of I also served and we're being able to work closely with sailors and Marines. Mm-hmm. And it was while I grew up in that environment of really not in an armed forces environment, but, but appreciating or celebrating Memorial Day, I think serving with the Marines and sailors uh, from day to day and understanding what that service meant to a much deeper degree made me appreciate much more what Memorial Day is about. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it is. It kind of it hurts my heart in certain ways when, when Memorial Day is all becomes all about barbecues. You know, all that is well and good. It all has its place, 
right? In the family gatherings, it's springtime, it's getting close to summer, all of that. Yeah. But I, it's almost, I consider it a sacred day and a day when, when everyone should make an effort to do something symbolic, whether it be go to a parade, whether it be going to an event, where there's usually laying of a wreath in certain part of the town or the city, something, visit a cemetery, take time to remember. Mm-hmm. It's definitely as, it's definitely not a day that we really celebrate war or anything. And the war is never anything to celebrate. It's a great tragedy. It's a, I think it's a dramatic and tragic part of human history. Mm-hmm. And in some occasions, sometimes a necessary evil for whatever circumstances there are. But it's oftentimes when you, when you're close to people that go through it, when you see the aftermath, when you're close to families that suffer from it, it becomes something that it doesn't make a lot of sense in many ways. Yeah. But again, because of some circumstances, it's sometimes a necessity that we defend ourselves. Um, so it's it's a solemn, somber day. Just what it's called, memorial. It's not a day of celebration. It's a day to remember, to honor. Mm-hmm. Honor our history and to honor those that raise their hand and, and that sacrifice their lives, what they call the ultimate sacrifice, so that all of us can have barbecues, can go to parades, can and celebrate, can have the liberties that we have. Yeah. So I went on a bit long. Maybe you didn't expect such a long answer. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's that's totally why I love Um. So let's talk about how Memorial uh, Memorial Day actually started. Um. It started, um, actually, the practice of honoring our dead was seen with the ancient Greeks and the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, they would spend some time after a battle and have public mourning before a funeral. And it was, it was an opportunity for all the public to pay tributes to their dead mm-hmm. um, with a funeral oration as well. And they would place flowers and decorate their graves and have feasts to honor those who did sacrifice everything mm-hmm. for their countries. So even as early as 431 BC, people were honoring their dead. Um, as far as America's roots or the United States roots, it officially began as a commemoration for soldiers who fought in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And the first, one of the earliest commemorations was actually organized by recently freed African-American slaves. I don't know if you know this story or not, but um, in South Carolina, in Charleston, there were, um, that's where some of the prisoners from the Union soldiers 
that were held as some of the Union soldiers that were held as prisoners were rushed into these camps. Um, and one of these camps was a former racetrack. Mm -hmm. And the conditions were so bad that more than 250 prisoners died mm. in this internment because of disease or exposure. And so they were buried in just a, a mass grave at that racetrack. Um, but three weeks after the Confederates surrendered, um, more than a thousand people recently freed from enslavement along with the regiments of the U.S. Colored Troops, including the Massachusetts 54 Infantry, mm. gathered in the camp to set up new graves for all of these soldiers and to properly give them a burial, uh, give them a proper burial site. Mm -hmm. um, while they were there, they sang hymns and gave readings of the scriptures, and they distributed flowers around the cemetery. And that was in 1865, the beginning of May. Um, other, other cities and locations had different um, commemorative events to honor their dead. But again, it was mostly for the soldiers who had died in the Civil War. And it was called the Decoration Day. Right. On May 30th. And that lasted for probably a hundred and more than a hundred years. That that um, commemoration of direct decoration day where where people would go out to the graves in the cemeteries and honor those loved ones and mm -hmm. the soldiers and the military personnel who had died in the wars. Right. And then, um, but it didn't become a federal holiday in 19, until 1971. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And that year, um, was a national gathering, well, somewhat national, more than 5,000 people gathered in, Ar in Arlington National Cemetery mm -hmm. where they had a formal commemoration of the day. And at that day, it was, America was in the Vietnam War in 1971. And so they kind of transitioned from only commemorating the Civil War deaths to include World War One, World mm -hmm. War Two, Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And so with that, it became more of a national commemoration of all the wars, of all the soldiers, all the military personnel who had given their lives during the wars. Um, and One thing that happened around the same time is that the federal government decided to push it back to the last Monday mm -hmm. of May mm -hmm. so that the Fed, that 
people could have that three-day, four-day weekend mm -hmm. to commemorate. And that's probably when it started to become more of a day of celebration rather than commemoration. A day of parties and barbecues and brewing in the summer. And I think that's when we started to lose the idea and the sacredness of that day. Mm -hmm. um, and some have tried to keep some of the commemorative traditions Mm -hmm. But I don't see them employed as as widespread or as um, as deeply as I think they could be. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I have a few thoughts. <laughs> the I think it's natural that a, a day. You know, that's given as a federal holiday, that a national holiday, that's going to morph into other things. You know, and this, we can look at other celebrations, whether it be Christmas or Hanukkah, you know, whether it be Ramadan, whether it be the Passover and Easter. They're all days that we, you know, the, the whole the phrase of remember the reason for the season, and and we could say the same thing with Memorial Day. It's just natural that as human beings we we forget. I think of even when we lose someone in our own family, you know, the, the first anniversary, the second is becomes very meaningful, but maybe after a few years, we, we forget. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a something natural in the human experience that added to that is I think also just nationally as, as a country, um, patriotism has been challenged for different reasons. Um, oftentimes for mistakes in leadership, or what I would call dysfunctional and toxic leadership um, in, in, in the armed forces or in government, politicians. So the people that are there to serve the country, when they don't serve well, it, it makes people naturally tend towards, well, we're not going to, let's, we don't feel so proud of who we are and mm -hmm. our country. And I think that that overflows into what Memorial Day is, what July 4th is, Independence. So and in Memorial Day, because now it's, you know, and there's also sort of a, as a there's a movement towards very anti, you know, anti-war, anti-violence. And, and I think, and, and I think it has a wonderful place. And I think it's, it's part of just who, how we evolve as people and as, as a nation. And now, how does this negative, negatively impacts the armed forces? Because I think in some younger generations, they're not very pro-military or pro-armed forces because it's hard for them to sort of wrap their mind around um, peace and war at the same time, right? What, what there's the whole thing about peace, um, global peace, national peace, living in harmony. And there's a, in some aspects of society, there's, there's a value of life but in other aspects, there isn't. But so it's sort of the contradictions that we live with, assuming. So I think that the younger generation has a hard time understanding all of these things. And so therefore, there's sort of like a, a general rejection towards, and I'm generalizing, but towards the armed forces and what they stand for. But the armed forces don't stand for war. 
they stand for national identity in a certain way, but they also stand for protection. Mm -hmm. So it's about it's about being mission ready to protect, not necessarily to attack. Yeah. Now, as a, as a nation, I think the younger generations have a, also have a hard time because I think sometimes as a country we've overstretched, we've stretched beyond what is really maybe our place. That's some. It's totally debatable, depending on how you look at it. You know where we get involved in other people's affairs, um, and we lose, we lose our you know our people in the process. So Americans and American families suffer, and that's that's also hard to understand. So by no means is Memorial Day a glorification of um of war, but it's a time to just remember yeah. those that those that we lost in the tragedy of war. So and those are some thoughts. It's it's hard for us as a country to to sit with all of these things that seem on opposing polar, you know, they're polarizing, they're on opposing polars, or they seem contradictory. But it, the human experience is contradictory. We sit, have to sit with many opposing things at the same time and try to make sense of them. And, so those are just some of the thoughts that I would have around this. And as you know, you're given the history of, of how, and I think in countries, just, yeah, nationally, and there's things evolve over time and how Memorial Day came to came to be. People, I'm sure people would be surprised that it's such a young, such a young holiday. But going back to honoring the dead, now this is something that goes back, you know, yes, to the Romans and the Greeks and even before that. And it's just something that's been ever present in every culture. And you go back to the pyramids in Egypt, and and if you go to Rome, you're you know, if you go to Greece. But even the cultures before that, it was there was always something. And this is what your podcast is always about: grieving, right? So death is it's the only thing that we all, we all know that's gonna that we're going to experience, but it's going it's going to happen to us. But at the same time, it's one of it's one of the most difficult human experiences because of the mystery that's around it, and then the sadness, right, in losing someone. Yeah. So we we have a hard as humans we have a hard time with death and even just talking about it in certain times. I because of my ministry and my experience, it's become a topic that I'm very comfortable with, with talking about because it's something that we deal with. It's something we go through, and, and as in many things in the human experiences that are difficult to talk about, I think it's very important to be able to talk about it. And so, in if you go through, it's, you know, and every culture celebrates it and honors it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Asia, some of the Asian countries, we see different ways. I'm living right now in Mexico City, and so, you know, if it's a lot of kids, a lot of people because of their kids, they they became familiar with Coco and like a, you know the cartoon that talked about and and, right. and how Mexico celebrates the dead, and it's very interesting because yeah, around the Day of the Dead, they celebrate, they put up these altars where they bring food and they have pictures and they remember everything that was special with the person that the person liked, and that's how they celebrate. That, that's sort of their vision of death and that the dead come come back and they want to that they find the food that they that they like is there to to honor them. So there's a sort of a joyful element around the celebration of the dead in the Mexican culture, mm -hmm. which goes way back probably to Aztec tradition and other traditions. So it's a fascinating topic just to look at how each culture celebrates and honors the dead. And you'll find it in so many different ways. And as Americans, I think it's what we need to find how we do that. How do we do that in a healthy and wholesome way? I think visiting a cemetery as you would do on the death, on the anniversary of the death of a loved one, cemetery Memorial Day is the time to go as a nation, as a country, to visit cemeteries, to honor 
usually the, the, the tombs or the graves will have American flags on them, the ones that were had served or died in service or are veterans. And it's a, it's a day to go honor them. It's a day to, to meditate, reflect as a country. And I think meditating and reflecting on death always puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. My hope is that as a country, when we go on our knees, when we reflect on Memorial Day, that it helps us reflect to see how we can be better. How can we can be a better country on the international stage? How we can be better citizens on the national stage? And return to that the pride for our country, not because we're better, because I don't, it's not a competition of who's better. It's just so that we can live up to the values that we profess as a nation. Yeah. Do you have any practical ways that we can return to that pride and that those values and, and honoring our dead and embracing death more comfortably um, both as individuals and as a nation. Yes. So it's, I don't know if death will ever be comfortable, <laughs> a comfortable topic for human beings. If, I, maybe for those of us who deal with it more, you know, and if you go to the medical field, nothing's, it's something that people deal with on a regular basis. Uh-huh. But the danger there is you get used to it, right? And so you build True. up for, you become a bit callous to the experience. Yeah. Right, which which is not not high, helpful either. Um, I really think as human beings, symbolisms are very important. Gestures are very important for us, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think, you know, getting in a car, getting on a bike, going to a cemetery, even if it's just on your own, should just be present. It's, it's a very meaningful gesture. You know, get you get yourself out of your comfort zone. For a few minutes doesn't it's not a huge it's not a huge sacrifice compared to you know all the people that are there and the sacrifices that they've made for their own families and for other people and armed forces are not right the, the, I mean, the, the amount of wisdom that is in the cemetery and really should speak to us as something that we want to honor and so in the, i think parents bring your kids right if and I think if we see in the younger generations that they just don't know how to do this anymore or there's not an awareness of this, it's I, I would look at the parents and say, well, have we been doing our due diligence to bring our children and to teach them, you know, the, the beauty and the sacredness of life, but also the sacredness of of, um, of honoring those that have passed, honoring the dead. Yeah. So that's that's in the simplest way, that's that's what I would I would say is something that we can do. And it's not hard to do. We all have cemeteries in our towns in our cities mm-hmm. i would say just become intentional about it and yeah. uh, make it a personal activity or make it a make it a family activity it could be part of a family tradition that you do every year and it could be a memorial day it could be some other day it's just i think it's something that's very important to do now in my own faith background there's a day dedicated to that and so and i think other faith groups might have that so it's but i think it's just important as human beings we have because Again, death is a reality, something that we will all experience. You know, in, in even the diversity of beliefs around death, that, that's indifferent in my view. It's something that we're going to experience. It puts everything in perspective. Yes. It puts our life in perspective. It puts our qualities, our strengths, our difficulties, our challenges, the mistakes we've made, the goodness that we've done. It puts the way we view others, what's important. It puts our priorities in, in perspective. 
So I think if we go over the thousands and thousands of years of human history, death, meditation and reflection on death has always been a constant. Culturally expressed in different ways, but it's been it's been a continual. And I think it's important that we continue that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that we, like you've alluded to before, we're we're moving away from that meditation and that that honor and sitting with death. Um, there's so many like with technology and with the busyness of life, it just it seems like everything is go go go, mm-hmm. and we rarely take that moment for meditation and reflection yes and all, oftentimes it's when someone dies that we're forced to stop right a close one or, and and i think one of the saddest or most tragic words for a human being is if only i would have known mm-hmm. only i would have or if only i would have done if only and I have a story in my own life as, a, as in ministry. I remember um, I was working in a South American country and a, and a woman, an elderly woman who I knew, and I knew her family and I knew her, her grandchildren. And, but I didn't have a lot of contact. She began to call me a few days. When are you going to come visit? When are you going to come visit? When are you going to come visit? I said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And then I get a call from her grandson saying, my grandmother just passed away. Um... And that was, and again, that that was my job. I know, like to go visit people, right? And I I did it on a constant. But this one, I just I wasn't aware that it was that urgent or that she wasn't that well. I didn't have the backstory. Mm-hmm. Had I probably would have. But but anyways, it's it's that moment. And I shared that when I celebrated I celebrated her funeral, and I shared that story to help that for all of us to put things in perspective of what's important. Yeah. So I, I share that story often because it's always a, it was an important moment in my life when I had to say to myself, if only I would have known, or if only I would have gone to visit, mm-hmm. and and not put other things before that. Right. You know. So thankfully, you know, there was other things that have happened in my own life. You know, I I had I lost my mother and I hadn't seen her for two years. Again, it wasn't on me. It was more, I was just in the far distant countries and I wasn't able, I didn't have, wasn't able, didn't have permission to go back and visit her. And again, I didn't know she was so close to that. This happened very sudden. But my dad passed away two years ago and I was able to be with him during those few weeks. And that really meant it was very meaningful to me because of my own story my own past my sensitivity towards this matter and to be able to gather my family my siblings around my father meant meant a lot but thank you for these questions and for allowing us to reflect on this you're welcome and thank you for sharing your experiences with us and your insights um how has your service in the military shaped how you see Memorial Day? Thank you, Jenny. And I alluded to this at the beginning when I when I started talking at the at the introduction. Again, I grew up very close to this. I marched in, in parades yearly, and on Memorial Day weekends, three or four parades as a young child and adolescent. But I have to admit, having served. It 
it, sh it gave me so much more knowledge, shed so much more light and depth to what Memorial Day means. Mm -hmm. And it's that day, it's something that I get emotional around. And it's not, and I was, I was never in war, right? I was never in areas of conflict, but I just became more sensitive because I, I dealt with a lot of people who have been in conflict. Yeah. I dealt with families who lost people in conflict. You know, and it's, it's never something, it's not something I desire or wish on anyone. Either to, to be there or to be the one that has to, um, you know, go to the door and make the announcement and console and help people understand the, un the un understandable. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and to, so it's, that's when you see, the, again, you see the, the heroism, the beauty of people that, that raise their hand and say, I vote, I want to defend my country against enemies, foreign and domestic. It's very less than 1% of, of Americans raise their hand to do that. You have to put their life on the line. Um, but at the same time, we're not, by no means are we celebrating war or, or battle. There's nothing to celebrate about it. And it's a, it's a tragic reality of, of, of human existence. Mm -hmm. Whether it be a national level, but then we, we could bring that down just to, you know, internal conflicts and... Sure. fighting and conflicts it's also another experience of the human of human beings whether it being families or just neighborhoods or whatever and it's i don't know i don't i wish we could be better as human beings and usually when you know as a nation when we sell it when we have to go to war it's or any country has to go to war right you just on the news last night we're watching about the conflicts in sudan right this is so many you know then obviously we have the conflict in russia and ukraine and so this it all comes back to human ego and it's sad that as countries peoples and nations we have to suffer oftentimes because of one person mm -hmm. this goes back to many of the even the, the global wars yeah it's the, you know, the power of just one ego and one pride that, um, that can be the cause of so much destruction. The, the flip side of that is the power of love and the power of, of how one person can also be a source of so much life and light to a nation, mm -hmm. which is what we all celebrate. And we celebrate heroes because that's there's something about heroism that is very attractive to us as human beings that we can show up and we can show up in a huge way on a small or large scale yeah. and make a difference. So hopefully Memorial Day is, is a day to, to invite all of us, again, not only to honor the art dead and those that sacrificed their lives, but also to make a commitment to show up better. Mm -hmm. Show up better in our inner circles, show up better in our bigger circles, personally and professionally. How can we show up better and how can we be instruments of peace, of love, forgiveness, and goodness? And remembrance. And remembrance, yes. So those are my thoughts for today, Jenny. <laughs> awesome. At one point, you wrote a poem called "The Tear of the Marine." Yes. Can you tell us how how that came about? Yeah, and I preface it by saying I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a poet, but um, I do like the rhyme words here and there. So, if they came about. It was at the time of the end of my service, and I, I was—I wanted to give a 
a gift, a symbolic gift to the Marine Corps. Or the, <laughs> I don't even know if they realize that it's there, but it's a symbolic gift to the Marine Corps and to the people that I served, whether it be the sailors, Marines. It's really the message of the poem that applies to all the armed forces. It speaks to everybody. And as a chaplain, I would I would always conclude my invocations. An invocation is a prayer with which we begin a celebration or ceremony. All you know, retirements, um, command events, different events in the military, graduations are always begun with an invocation, which is a generic prayer. And I would always conclude my prayer with, and because I work with Marines and their, and their motto is Semper Fidelis, Semper Fi, I would conclude the prayer. You, O oh God, are Semper Fi. Help us to remember why, when we wake, when we lie, when we laugh, when we cry, when we live, and when we die, that it is worth it to be Semper Fi. And that made it had a big impact with the Marines. They would always, you know, they would, they would sort of get them excited, right? Because <laughs> that's the way the Marines are. And I guess building on that, then I said, well, then maybe let's write a poem. And the poem is really, I began to think about all everything I experienced as a chaplain, which I try to bring into the poem, of what the reality, what people go through. And then also the, the lessons in a summarized version of what I would always try to teach Marines, whether it be on an individual basis or as groups. I would give classes and things like this to officers or enlisted about, um, about our humanity and how to deal with our humanity in that specific context of the armed forces and the Marine Corps and the, and the Navy, mm -hmm. how, to, how to deal with it better. So I try to include my experiences and sort of the, a summary of those lessons in that poem. That's how it came about. And it actually, I think that's the thing about inspiration is when you're inspired or when you have your moment, it just, it all comes out. So it didn't, it just sort of came out and and I wrote it down and there it was. Yeah. And then, um, and then I recorded it and with the Marines and well, there it is. So and I'll, it will, it's thankfully it's going to be published in a book soon. Oh. Part of the book, obviously a much bigger book that will have that included. And um, and sure, we'd love to share that here. I would you. love for you to share it, yes. So go ahead and share that video, if you would. I will. We'll do that. We'll listen to this. The tear of a Marine is seldom seen. Far out of sight in the dark of the night, a timid tear will lean on the cheek of a Marine. A tear is a language so refined that words cannot make up their mind. The body and spirit desire to express, struggling words only say less. That timid tear says it all, as from your eye does fall. A chaplain is given the grace to sit in that sacred space, witnessing day after day the tear that words can say. That powerful drops does speak. It is courageous. It isn't weak. A Marine trying to be strong, turning a tear into a song. Semper Fi Marine, when from your heart it leaks, that single drop a story speaks. It tells of what is meaningful to you, of what is sacred to you, what you lost, who you miss, who you lost, and who you no longer kiss. That tear tells of a roadblock, of feeling stuck, and inside your heart you scream, oh, the memories of war, the tragedies of that tour, my brothers and sisters fell beside me, the guilt and what ifs, don't let me free. The visions of combat fill my head, 
pain makes me wish I was dead. A tear says, life is heavy, home is crazy. I got NJP'd, my future looks hazy. My career's on the line. Before the court, I was fine. My baby was up all night crying. The recruiter may have been lying. My dad left and didn't want me. My mom walked away from me and family. The day I held my dying brother, when a girl left me for another. When suicide took the life of my friend. And when that abuse never seemed to change. Missing family, friends, missing home. Sitting here surrounded, but feeling so alone. That tear of a Marine, it's not often seen in the dark of night and far out of sight. A timid tear will lean on the cheek of a Marine. Let that tear fall, Marine, let it fall, let it express it all. That tear will open up your soul, the drop you lose will fill that hole. That tear will water the earth, the timid tear will give birth. And I assure you that what will come forth is better than who you were before. And remind you of the hopes that are in store. Honor your tear, have no fear. Courageously let it fall, face your truths, face them all. Commit to hear the meaning that a single tear is concealing. And care for your humanity. And your humanity, Marine, will care for you, and it will care for your loved ones too. Better is our country, better is the core. When you know what and who you live for. But more importantly, better are you when you to yourself are true to being the best human possible. That indeed is truly plausible. You will still wear green. You will look mean, strong, and lean. And you will forever be a United States Marine. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, just going through that reminds me of so many things. I bet and it does. Now there's some nuances, you know, what um, Semper Fi means, Semper Fidelis, always faithful, which is the motto for the Marine Corps. NJP, which is, it means non-judicial punishment, which is, you know, disciplinary action that someone can go through, and which really rocks their, their boat and their career. And the whole thing about meaning is something that I would talk about, I would call it the M&Ms, meaning and motivation. That we would, I would talk about on a regular basis. What, where do we find meaning? Oftentimes, Marines say, "You know, get motivated, Marine." But motivation, as we know, for human beings, it's very linked to to meaning, to purpose. Mm-hmm. You know why we're doing what we're doing, and motivation is born from that. But when we forget why, or our why is no longer there, you know, it's important to find another why. Yeah, and so. And then just everything that everything that I mentioned there has to do with one or many specific conversations with individuals. So thank you for that. And then the other thing about it is the tear is you know, there's a sort of we equate and in the Marine Corps even more right is we equate or in the armed forces um, crying with weakness, right? Right, and so and weakness is unacceptable. So therefore. But the reality is that the human tear crying is it's part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. It's a necessary element of our human experience, something that we don't want to shut off. Now, it's something that's important to manage, right? And then there's, there's a place and there's time. 
And obviously part of the armed forces, you've got to be mission ready and you have to be ready to deal with a lot of stress. And, you know, and that's not the moment to be, to break down. You know, we have to manage that later because we have a mission to accomplish. So all of that, but how to, obviously as a chaplain, my job is to help people deal with their humanity in a more effective manner. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why it became one of the focuses also of that poem. If we take care of our humanity in a better and healthier functional way, then our, you know, our humanity is going to take good care of us and it's going to take care of the people that we love. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's one. Uh, the the message of the tear and the importance of the tear is something that I speak about often. In grief, there are often a lot of tears. And that's such, such a normal process. And it's not just in the Marines where people feel weak when they're crying. It's it's pretty universal. It is. Um, and I always tell people that tears, tears are so powerful. They have so much meaning that may not be able to be expressed otherwise. It shows what's really important to us. Mm-hmm they're the windows of our souls yes and again i've had to see tears it's very uncomfortable once when if you're in front of someone and you have to, and you cry it's an uncomfortable spot to be so many marines that were in that position not only in outside of that you know in other aspects of ministry i would see your tears on and when it's on a one-on-one basis and people cry it's it's an uncomfortable position to be in but i would always go back to what you just said is Often, you know, your tear expresses more than than what your words can say. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's it's a language, it's a language of the soul, yeah, and of the body. So you don't have to explain it. It, I understand that it means it has a lot of meaning. I I might not understand the depth of that meaning, but understand that your tear is saying a lot more than maybe what you can say in words, and that's okay. And it's universal. It is. It crosses all cultural language. It's a universal expression. Right? And it expresses sadness, but confusion, conflict expresses happiness. Mm -hmm. In many cases. So it is. It's a universal language that can be understood and valued and honored. And I think if you allow me to offer some advice, I think it's oftentimes in relationships where you can be like, oh, stop crying. Mm, you know, not a, not a not a helpful thing to say, right? right. <laughs> but it's more speaks of discomfort of someone's own discomfort of sitting mm-hmm. in front of someone who's crying. So I would encourage people, you know, in relationships, if your spouse cries, know how to sit with that, to know how to. No need for words. No need to try to explain the cries or tell someone that. Just it's a moment to sit in silence, to embrace, to honor, right. And oftentimes that's that's what I would do. I would sit there in silence and allow the tears to fall and, and know that they were expressing something much more deeper than I probably would ever understand. But I, it was my place to allow them to fall. Mm-hmm. And to so yes. Yeah. It's Thank such you. an incredible gift. It is. The gift of witness and silence and presence. It is a gift. It's a gift that I've been given and a gift that I also want to give to others. Mm -hmm. 
Wonderful, Jenny. Such a wonderful, a meaningful conversation. So thank you for creating this space. Amazing. Thank you for being here and partnering with me in that. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share? You know what? I think I said everything that I wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> so I nothing to share. That's just I would like an invitation that we've already insisted on during this during this episode. Good for people on Memorial Day to go out to um, bring their kids, family members, friends, whatever it is, and do that make that meaningful gesture. Because I promise that it will it, it doesn't mean anything to the to those that have passed, right? But it's, it means a lot to us who are alive. Mm-hmm. Very meaningful gesture is something that will help us grow. Makes in my view, it makes us better human beings. So that's my invitation. Awesome. And where can people find you? They can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Matthew Brackett. On my website at bracketalliance.com. And Facebook, Matthew Brackett. And Instagram, Matthew Brackett Alliance. So different places they can find me. Awesome. Follow me and get some of my messages. So thank you for that. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming and sharing your experiences and your insight your intuition thank you jenny thank you again for the opportunity it's always great to collaborate with you thank you for the work that you do thank you so with that i hope um i hope this episode helps us remember and commemorate the real reason of memorial day and honor those who have gone before who have given the ultimate gift like we've said um, so that we can enjoy our family gatherings, our barbecues, our the unrolling of summer. And let's maybe take a, a moment to pause, just a moment, and reflect on those who have gone before. It's been another amazing conversation here on Share Your Story, exploring humanity one heart at a time. Thank you listeners for tuning in and receiving these stories. If you appreciated this episode, remember to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on special subscription-only content. If you are struggling with grief and would like to make it more manageable, schedule a call through my website, grievingcoach.com, and I will give you one tool that you can implement today. Until next time, Remember that all of our experiences make us who we are and that we can turn grief into growth. You are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters. So share your story.